Well, um, I would like to take a moment to clear something up. Um, you see, most, most people, they think of, when they think of missionaries, they think that they're all weird. <laughs> I'd like to take a moment just to clear that up, okay? <laughs> Learned to play this driving a tractor because I kept falling asleep. I don't know if you know this, but tractors go slow, and it's hot out there. So, Missionaries are not weird. That just happened. Yeah. All right. It's a lot more difficult than it looks. Oh, mercy. You guys are getting nervous, aren't you? Nobody? All right, John chapter 15, John chapter 15, you all have just, from what I understand, have come off, what, a revival, is that what it was, a revival? So you guys are on cloud nine, spiritually speaking, you should be, you should be pumped up, fired up, squirting the devil with the squirt gun type of, ready to go, right? Was that a week, two, two weeks ago, a month ago? Well, you still have, you've st you, can, you can still be fired up, all right? So we have something in common, I and you. Not that we're weird. We might have that in common. <laughs> but what we have in common is that we have the weight of the world trying to knock us off of being where we were. You see, the Christian life is like a pyramid. Not that we're trying to elevate ourselves to the top. But that's where the Christian life has placed us. We're like a ball on top of a pyramid. It's very easy to slide down one side into the world and get wrapped up in this, in the, this, this world's devices and the lust and the pleasures of this world. So easy to get knocked off. I, I know a guy at Walmart who's, who's, I mean, I can't wait to get out of this job because people are so wicked here. I say, hey, well, just hold on. So, don't go so fast. Just slow down. You have to realize that human nature is wicked. They're only doing what humans do naturally. Right? You, you, you go down the sidewalk and you see a dog barking and you're like, stop barking. Well, dogs are going to bark. But it's different when you, go, when you drive down the road and you see a, do a dog on the side of the sidewalk with his legs crossed and his paws on his lap. <laughs> Why? Because that's not natural. That's, that's, not, that's, that's, that's weird. If you've seen that, you'd, you'd slow down. What is that? Right? 
It's not natural. Then you get up to the top of this pyramid, this where Christ has called you, holiness, righteousness, sanctification, be balanced on top of that. It doesn't take much. Not only does it not take much to, to knock you off, but you've got enemies trying to get you off. So living the Christian life is almost pertinent, is a northern Missouri word maybe, pertinent impossible to do what you're trying to do. Because on the other side, you have religion. And you slide down that side of the pyramid, you get comfortable in church. You like coming to church because, hey, there's teenage girls here. There's some good looking guys up here. Swag on in here. I like church. No, it's very easy to get wrapped up in the religion side. We just do things because it's comfortable. Drive down the road and someone's broke down. I've got to get to church. I've got to do my thing. We're wrapped up in religion. People come in here with a, with a tattoo or some kind of messed up lifestyle. It's like, I don't know if you kind of fit. I don't know if you fit here. This is, I don't know if this is not quite your kind of church. That happens a lot of places. Why? Because many Christians who God has placed them in holiness, separation, have unfortunately slid down the side of self-righteousness, the side of Phariseeism, the side of churchiness. It's not where God wants us. He wants us to be perched on top, right where He's placed us. How hard is that? You've got cell phones and movies and TVs and all this stuff weighing you down. Then you've got stresses on top of that that you just want to snap like that when something goes wrong. All I wanted to do was I wanted to go to a nice restaurant with my wife. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to go to my wife. I want to sit down, have a nice meal, and just talk. And here, waitress comes and brings me my food, and it's got a hair in it. What do you... Really? You want to eat that thing? No, take it back there. You tell them that I need something better. Whoa. How easy is it to slide off that perch? Not that we're better than other people, but I'm talking about the ease it is to fall off one side. I'm just going to let myself go, and I'm going to watch what I want to watch on TV tonight, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm just going to let it go. We've fallen. Missionary, what do we have in common? Um, I'm going to be doing something that's pertinent or impossible. Uh, depending on the statistics you want to listen to, um, the first one, the, the first, so as we go around churches, I, I fill out these packets, these paperwork for, for churches. They want to know everything about me, my shoe size, all that stuff, right? But they fill all this stuff out, and then one of them said, he explained on the top, the reason we want to give you this questionnaire is because of the amount of missionaries that have been coming off the field lately. They said because of the 50% of missionaries that we send will come off the field within four years of them being on the field. And I'm not, they don't want to call it a waste, but they like to see their investment go a lot longer. Because you can't, you can't come to a town in North Missouri and, start, and, and have people trust you. Over, it takes like four or five years just to get people to trust you. And in Trenton, we've had pastors come and go and come and go and come and go. And here's my sinful flesh. I sit on the back row and I had my shirt sleeves cut off and I'm that, got my mud truck parked outside with 36 inch super swampers. Hey Amen. <laughs> go down to Columbia, there's an off road park. You go to Kirksville, off road park. She go tear it up, mud it up. I put a radiator in the back of my pickup truck so the mud wouldn't clog it up so I can <laughs> snorkel out the side. 
<laughs> but I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, I was in the back row with the shirt sleeve cut off. Pastors come and go and come and go. And you start noticing something. You start seeing he hasn't changed his phone number. It's still a New York license plate. Still an old address. He's been here for three years. How long is he going to stay? When's he going to move on? I can't, I can't hardly trust him. How am I going to trust him when he's just going to go off and leave me? It's hard to trust people. You're, some of you in here are probably still not trusting your pastor. Others still have, have made a separation. Just I'm watching. I'm watching you. I've seen everything that you do to see if I want to trust this church or not. That, that happens. I was there. As a missionary, it's hard to start a church, let alone reach people if you're not there for longer than four years. So 50% of people who come and do what I do right here are not going to make it four years on the field. I don't, my, goal, my, my, my goal is to go. We're going to have an auction in Trenton. We're going to sell the truck and the camper and the clothes and the guns. And Every time I say that, someone's like, you're selling guns? I say, you're missing the point. And so selling everything, we're going to go over there. We've named our kids Milos. We've, the middle one is Nikolai. And the last one is Marko Vuk. Vuk means wolf. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, we have this whole culture thing of feminism. I'm, I'm trying to go the other way. Like extra testosterone baked on top. <laughs> right? I call it toxic. I call it like sweet tea. Put it Anyways, no, we're doing something that's impossible. You, as a Christian, are doing something that's impossible. The world looks at it like, wow. They should look at it like that. But most of them, they look at us and say, hypocrites. Why? Because they're looking at people that find a hard time without rolling down one side or rolling off the other. And then I went to a, a, another missions deal, and one guy, I said that 50%. He's like, well, that'd be nice, but what we've actually found that we've found 60% of missionaries come home in four years. And then I was just in, South, in, in Springfield, Missouri, talking to another missions guy, and he said, well, our group here, that we, all the people that we've seen, um, so we're requiring missionaries not to do deputation until they've went on the field and lived for a two, or two, two years or so on half support, and they're going to come in because we don't know what's going on. We don't know why it's happening. But they've said they've seen 80% of missionaries. So I don't know what the real, I don't know what it is, but all I'm saying to you is that we're getting ready to do something that's near impossible to do. So, tonight, how do you stay on top? I think that's a good question, isn't it? Out of all the weights and the pressures and the evils that come upon you, you just want to snap, your kids start messing up again, and you just want to just, stop it, <laughs> right? Your cousin or your brother or something's going on, and you just snap. I've got a, a family member. Uh, my uncle, my, I call him my uncle, but he's my cousin, I guess, you know, song leader. Uh, he's, he's got cancer. And you've got family in here that's got going through that. And how can you go through things like that without not losing your gourd and just going crazy and thinking, and what's going to happen? What? And you get all stressed out and you, and you start snapping at people because you're angry. How, how do you go through problems in life and stay where it's impossible to stay? 
Most, you want to talk about statistics? Most young people in here won't be in church in 10 years. Statistics. How do you guys, you ladies, stay on top? On top being where God wants you, in the will of God. Holy, righteous, set apart for His service and for His honor. It's, it's almost impossible. And I say almost. We're going to talk about how to stay on top. If you turn your Bible to John chapter 15, one of the ser- sermons I look forward to preaching when I get to Serbia. And so I sit down in, in maybe some old coffee shop and there's, there's like men there with beards and they're like drooling out their mouth and they're like just, Ugh. go back to my table, you see a Viking on there because that's like, they like Vikings and lots of meat and potatoes. Yeah. So as I sit down with these, these Serbs and, uh, and Serbs are big people. I mean, the first time I met Serbians in Oklahoma City, they came to our, we invited them over for dinner, and here this Serbian lady, she comes, knocks on our, on our door, and I thought, here, honey, they're here, they're here. She's cooking some Serbian meals she found online, trying to cook them, and, and, and I, I, I get ready to open the door, the door flings open, she goes, his wife goes, Stravo! And I'm looking up like, what? And she grabs, she literally grabs my arms and goes, and I'm like, my wife's like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, she's like, I mean, just beefy, right? And so, yeah. And so we go over there, I'm sitting at a coffee shop, and the man's struggling with suicide. And so as I sat down with seven lawyers in Serbia, in the, the, the town of Nish, where the Constantine was born, and I'm talking with these seven different lawyers, they say, why well, you want to come to our country? Our people want to go to America. Why you come to our country? And I said, we want to come teach hope, joy, and peace to the Serbian people and, use it, and do it using the oldest book that Serbia has, the Bible. They need to understand that the Word of God came through Serbia before it came to America. They say Paul himself would have walked through the streets of the southern part of Serbia. That's how close it is down there. But because of persecution, because of you bow to Allah or we kill you, or you bow to the Pope or we kill you. Because of persecution, the gospel was, was set to spread forth into Europe and into America. That's where we're going back into. And so when I sat down with these men and I began to, be, to talk to them about the depression and the suicides and all the things that they're going through. Their wife's leaving them. I don't know what to do. I said, hey, let me help you find peace. There's two different types of peace. And we begin to, we begin to talk through this chapter, uh, John chapter 14. And there's two different types of peace. The one type of peace this world gives and, and so you can be going through this, and the, and the government's coming down. All these problems are coming upon you. You're stressed out. You're messed up. All the, I'm just going crazy. That's the world's peace, because you can go through that and still have peace. We're going to Serbia, and we're scared to death. We don't know what we're doing. I drive tractors for a living. I don't do subways, unless it's a sandwich. <laughs> but, man, I'm scared. But that's the world's peace. We're going to look right here. I'll show you. John chapter 14. Some of you doubt me here. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus Christ himself says this. Peace I leave with you. Now, he says I'm leaving with you. What's happening here is Jesus has just been training his his disciples, his 12 disciples. These are men he's going to leave behind. These are men that he's invested in time and time again, talking and talking. And they're probably like, okay, Jesus, we've already heard this before. Like, you can skip to something else, something new, something exciting. He's like, no, you need to hear this again. 
He's been training these men to survive and live on the top, the Christian life. The devil's going to want to blow you up, sift you as wheat. The lion, devour you. And I'm teaching you and training you how to live on top. And he's, he's going to pass off the scene. Jesus is going to go away. And he's training them. He says right here, he says, I'm going to give you my peace. I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. There's going to be situations and circumstances you're going to walk into and you're going to be like, oh, I don't feel good about this. But you know God wants you to walk through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Many Christians today say, I don't know if God wants me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I just don't think God would want that for me. But I'd say, yes, he does. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's teaching the disciples right here. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Right after he gets done with this is where we're going to get into. Again, the whole context of this is he's going to leave them. But I will not leave you comfortless, he tells them, well, John chapter 14. I'm going to give you a comfortor, the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit's going to help you stay on top? He also talks about His Word, His commandments in John chapter 14, verse 15. My commandments I leave with you. This Word of God is going to help you stay on top. But here's, here's what I've seen. Missionaries that go over struggle with the same things that you're going to struggle with. And they'll wake up every morning and they might do their devotions. And they might go to bed every night and say their prayers. But sin still creeps in and they get kicked off the field. Or something happens, their kids grow up, and they say, I don't want anything to do with my dad. I'm done with him. I watched his life, all the times he spent preaching and doing things. I don't want nothing to do with him. He prayed, and he read his Bible. What more could you want? That's where Jesus gets into the next part, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus gives an illustration. He says, I am... The vine. Ye are the branch. John chapter 15, verse 1. Read it with me here. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. In verse 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except ye abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Simple concept, right? So if, 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 I, was, if I was Jesus and, and you could picture me here, I am the master, my body, I am the vine. Everything I do comes from the vine. You are the branch. No, this is a stick also known as a bow, this is, in control, is not in control of itself, but I am in control of this. Correct? Okay. This is where the fruit comes from. This is the music. Now, this is supposed to go on this and make music. But if this has a mind of its own, you ready for this? You look excited. Don't be so excited. Little old Matt Miller here, 
has been living his life in Trenton, Missouri and doing his thing, dating who he wants to date and having fun and having his careers and jobs and things and looking at what he wants to look at and doing all the things he wants to do with it. It's my life. Thanks, Lord, for being a part of it. Matt Miller might have said. So as the world looks upon his music, it may sound a little bit like this. Beings, it's got a mind of its own and wants to do what it wants. You think? <laughs> Not so much. But that's the way I thought my life sounded. This is good. I got it made. But when God looked at my life, he said, there is no fruit in that. Not, let alone there's no fruit in that. He, he gave me another verse. He said, that is lukewarm. That's nasty. I want to spew that out of my mouth. That's my testimony. How do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you live the Christian life in this world? How are we going to get to Serbia and all the stresses and the pressures and do I spend time with, with this or i gotta, I got to go spend time with my family but we've got all these sins. I don't think we realize the amount. America has sins, right? But Europe has been doing it a lot longer than we have. And they're professional at it. And the wickedness that goes on. How am I going to let my kids go through that and see that? And, and the things, and, and as you would well know, it's, it's illegal to homeschool in Serbia. And, you know, we like, me and my wife, we like those home birth things. And, oh, those are great. And, you know, the, all the big screen TVs and all the things you get to have. Okay, maybe not that. But over there, the last lady who did home birth, she got locked up in jail because it's illegal. Man, all these stresses that come upon how are we, how are we going to be able to show the, the Serbian people how to live that victorious Christian life? And I can think about it and weigh on it and stress me out and be burdened about it. But it all comes down to this. Abide. It sounds simple. But it's very, very difficult. Abide. What does it mean to abide? You see, I can, I can wake up in the morning and read my Bible. And I can even say a 15-minute prayer, done, check that off, and then I can go about my day. I've done my Jesus duty, Pastor, and I'm done. Read your Bible every day? Sure do. Done. But I go out and I, my mind's racing with wickedness, and I'm living like a heathen. But I read my Bible and I prayed. That's not abiding. That's not abiding. That's, that's me doing what I want to do. Is this making sense? If I, if I can make it clear, uh, me and my wife, uh, we're, we are not even abiding. We're married, but we're not abiding, you see. We don't spend every moment, of, every day together. I'm off at work. I do, I'm, I'm in the office. I'm making emails and phone calls. The, a better picture of abiding would might be a child in the womb. Constant nourishment. Every situation, whatever she takes in, affects the child. That's why many, many children are born with diseases and sicknesses because the mother was, was hooked on drugs or cigarettes or problems because whatever she would take in, the child gets, whether he likes it or not. That is abiding. This is the picture of abiding. Do you take this right here, this bow? The only way that this is going to make beautiful music in this world, fruit, is if it does every little thing that the vine expects it to. And how difficult is that? How many, how many Christians do you think do everything that God wants them to do? 
pastor didn't even raise his hand. <laughs> no. I mean, telling you, talk about difficult. And sometimes we can think, well, I just can't do it, so I'm just going to give up. No, no, no. He knows that we're not perfect. The very hairs of our head are numbered. He knows all things, but he says, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can do it. He's teaching his disciples it is possible. But how do you do it? It's not just in your Bible reading. He says it in John 14. The word of God is going to help you make it. When I'm gone, you don't have anybody to lead you, and you're on your own. You can still do it without me. Without me being here physically. That's what I'm training you guys for. You'll have the comforter. You'll have my peace, but you're going to have to learn to abide. And so Mr. Miller here, Matt Miller, he says, you know, I, that's a great idea. Sounds fun. I mean, I, whatever. I mean, I'll do the church thing. I'll go to church. I'll, you know, do the Jesus thing and see how it works out, see if I get anything out of it, right? Because I need to get something out of it. But why would I do it if I don't get something out of it, really? A lot of Christians think that way. But you know, making music has nothing to do. I mean, how many people have ever you went up to that you play a violin? You're like, dude, that's a great bow. That's just awesome. No, they don't do that. They always say it about the violin or the violinist. That was good music you made. But if it becomes all about me, then I can make all the nasty music that I want. But I'm telling you this right now. Come from a guy who's, who's made my own nasty music. The Bible says, unless a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And I'm here to witness that is a fact. My wife used to be off in secular college. She, would do, she, was, she studied uh, criminal justice, going to be in the law enforcement and go on raids and lock people up. and Yeah! You know? She was a manager at a Ruby Tuesday. She was living her life, but she'd kind of run away from her mom and dad. Wanted to go live her life and do her thing. But one day she walked into a little bitty Baptist church down, down by Columbia. And the preacher got up and started preaching about that he made the stars also and pointed her little mind towards the things of God. She went home that night as she would jog down the road at night, get ready for work in the morning. She would think about God, how God created this earth and the heavens and the stars also. Her mind was affected, and she knew that she couldn't be right with God if she wasn't right with her parents. She goes home. She goes home to a little bit, bitty Baptist church in Trenton, Missouri, makes things right with her folks, and she meets the most wonderful man. <laughs> and now she gets to go to a complete foreign land and take her children with her. Craziness. Why? Because a young lady decided it's better to fall to the ground and die than stand stiff and strong and abide alone. Amen. So a little Matt Miller here, he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm done. Did you know the Bible actually says if you stiffen your neck towards God, towards God so long, you know he says that? Sometimes we think uh, he is long-suffering. Christ is. God is. But I think many times we Christians, we forget that God is just. Now, whatever that looks like, you can use your imagination. 
but I hope that's not nobody in here tonight. I hope we're people that have just been, maybe, maybe you are, maybe you're on top, maybe you've been balanced, maybe you've been strong, maybe you've, you're fired up, you say, Lord, use me in whatever capacity. I am nothing more than just a piece of wood with horse hair of a dead horse in your hands. You can use me and do whatever you want with me. And that takes constant in the master's hand. himself live in the master's hand not of himself not for his glory and honor but abiding not just in your little 15 minutes and then 20 minutes of prayer time but all through the day abiding in him it's more than just your prayer time it's more than your bible time it's when you're at the gas station it's when you're at the restaurant the reason my wife did I tell you the reason my wife stepped in the back door of that baptist church in Columbia, because some little old man, little old lady, would go to a Ruby Tuesdays after Sunday church. She seen something different in them. Something went wrong with the food, like sometimes happens. And they didn't throw a hissy fit. They were Christ-like, not normal. They tipped, sometimes extra. Weird thought. I was in construction. I remodeled and built houses with my dad. And uh, so a lot of projects I got to be on drywall and trim and carpet laying and all sorts of things. And it was unfortunate to see that a lot of my worst customers were Christians. The ones that were trying to get me to do something for free all the time. Here's a concept. If you know a Christian that has a hobby or has a, has, a, has a trade, a plumber, an electrician, if you want to get it for cheap, maybe we could hire a lost man. If you're going to be a blessing to someone, maybe you hire him and pay him more. No one owes us anything. We're brothers in Christ. Treat one another that way. But living there is hard. The hardest thing you will ever do in your life is to live right there. With your relationship with your wife, ooh, she just drives me nuts all the time. When she does that, she just, she, you know, you've been there. Anybody ever been there? It, just, it was just yesterday. I lost it. I was, I was doing paperwork thing. My wife comes in the camper, and she's she coming in, and, and she says, so, I mean, are we going to go? I go, where? It's like, we're supposed to be there in like 10 minutes. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And I just like blew up. I did. Man, it's so hard to live there. 
I had to apologize to her going down the road. Honey, I am sorry. I did not mean to overreact like that. I messed up. He, he wants us there. And you know who else was in the room when I did that? Two little boys who were eating Cheetos in their little high chairs that looked at Daddy losing his temper. I slid off. I slid off the triangle. Before we start the truck, look at those two little boys and say, guys, I want you to know something. Daddy, Daddy made a boo-boo. Daddy messed up. Daddy shouldn't do that. That's not good. That's called sin. We don't do that. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, Daddy. I said, so Daddy, Daddy got a spanking. He said, little Milo said, on the bottom? They said, no. I said, I said, God gave me spanking on the heart. Oh. You see, we're all going to fall. But don't forget the goal. Don't forget the goal. The only way to stay up here is you've got, I have got to get to Serbia, and we've got, to, if I'm going to make my goal to live there and to die there, I hope to buy a gravestone, and me and my wife, we hope to be buried in Serbia. How random is that? But we, with all our heart, we want to show the Serbian people how to live for Christ, and we want to show them how to die for Christ. We want to get old, we want to sit in the back of the church and show them how to do that. The only way to do that I hear churches that get messed up and the pastor does something dumb and all this. I, I, don't, I don't doubt it. it. Why? Because it's so hard not to mess up a church. It's almost impossible to pastor a church and not mess it up. Unless you can abide in Christ. We've got a lot to work to do. Philippines. Philippines, last time I checked, have 20 independent Baptist missionaries. They've got about the same population as, this, as the country of Serbia. Almost the same. The Philippines, uh, the Papua, uh, Panama. Panama, no, it was Papua New Guinea has the same population with 20 missionaries. Panama has 4 million, about half the population of Serbia. They got about 15 missionaries. Serbia's got two million more people than the state of Missouri. They've got one. We got a lot to work to do. One, one man in Serbia looked at me. He, he told me, he says, when you go to Serbia, he says, you try to bring 25 more missionaries with you. I said, wow. You don't quite know how this works, do you? We got so much work, and we need, we got. Mm. Christ, we need people to stay on top. Amen. We're counting on you. Dads, we're counting. Guys, you whippersnappers, we're counting on you. Moms, you got to raise them kids for Christ. We're counting on you. This world is counting on you. But the only way to do it is His way. Amen. You stand with me. We'll pray. Lord, I pray you'd be with these folks. I pray you'd love on them, encourage them. Help them to see the wonderful works that you've done and the whole need that you need for this world, Lord. It's so much bigger than we can imagine. 
but we've got so few resources to do it with. We have a great, big, and powerful God. I pray you teach us and train us, Lord, and help us to learn to abide, not in just our couple hours every day, but, Lord, throughout the day, teach us to, to live and breathe in fellowship with you. Teach us what that means. Grow us in our walk. We love you and thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's begin.